Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm reasonably anonymous. You know, I live in Dublin. I'm not well known for living in Dublin. I'm, you know, so I'm not missed when I'm away. Today on the Indo Daily, debt ridden DJ Carey's lavish golf tour. I don't even remember when I started hurling per se, but uh, I certainly got a, a helmet of Santi when I was four. <laughs> so I must have been hurling then. <laughs> he was one of the greatest GA stars of all time. Beautifully hit DJ Carey's in the clear. Oh, it's a great goal. Only DJ could do that. Not only is the beautiful game about to lose one of its finest ever exponents, but one of the most genuine and nicest sportsmen this country has ever seen. But at a time when he owed 9.5 million to AIB, the hurling legend went on an extravagant US golf trip. So I'm not one of those that would turn around and say, I don't care. You borrowed money, it should be paid back. And that would be my opinion. Two years later, DJ received a debt write-down of close to 7.5 million euros. I'm Fionn Sheen, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Amy Malloy, public affairs correspondent at the Irish Independent, to talk DJ debts and double bogeys. Amy, tell me about this fantastic US golf trip that DJ Carey went on. This was basically a bucket list trip that started off with two friends who had always wanted to go to America to watch the Masters in Georgia. The idea kind of eventually snowballed then and some avid golfers from the southeast from places like Kilkenny, Wexford and Carlo decided to join in. And among them was DJ Carey, who would have known some of the people in the group from kind of various golfing courses around Ireland. So this was basically a week-long holiday, which included five days golfing at some of America's most famous courses in South Carolina and two days at Augusta to watch the US Masters. They spent uh, five nights in these kind of like private cottages at Berkeley Hall, which is a, a top private golf community set along the banks of the O'Katy River in South Carolina. Um, DJ would have golfed at the Harbour Town Golf Links, which is one of the most celebrated courses on the PGA Tour. Basically, like this is one of the most expensive golf courses in America as well, where just one round of golf will set you back up to $400. But from speaking to sources on the trip, I think they may have got a group discount or something like that. So it might not have been as expensive as it would be for other individuals. Basically, each day they had breakfast, they got up, they played golf on these various courses. 
and then had dinner in the evenings. Um, and then eventually they went on to, to, to Augusta for the Masters for two days. Jordan Spieth, just 21 years old, outplaying Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods, becoming the second youngest winner in Masters history. Yeah, for those who are not golf fans, the U.S. Masters is probably the greatest golf tournament, certainly the most prestigious uh, in the world. And for any golf fan, this is the ultimate dream to attend that tournament. So t- tell us about the, the trip then to the, the Masters. How did that play out? Yeah, so they, they spent five days in South Carolina first kind of playing golf at various locations. And then they went, they traveled down to um, another part of South Carolina where they stayed in the Marriott Hotel for a few nights. Um, they had purchased tickets for the Masters, I think, in January that year. Um, and now these tickets are they're quite expensive. Um, DJ, had, who actually brought along a family member as a birthday present, he purchased two tickets for the event. And this costs, I think, €4,200. The tickets were around €2,100 each. Um, so the, like every day they went to the Masters, you know, they, they had a great time. They they ate uh, in some of the nice restaurants kind of near by the course. Just like a group trip uh, and like a group of men basically fulfilling a bucket list trip to go watch one of the greatest golfing events. And also DJ had previously spoken about wanting to go to Augusta, I think, when he was kind of in the height of his Kilkenny playing days. He had actually used secure tickets to go to Augusta previously, but then he had to fly back just due to his commitment to the Kilkenny Senior Hurling team. And he had spoke, you know, well, maybe hopefully sometime in the near future, I'll get another opportunity to go. And that's exactly what happened. And at the tail end then of the Masters, he, he then branched off and continued with his trip. Yeah. So from, from speaking to people on the trip, they said once the Masters was over, they all returned to Ireland pretty much. But DJ had actually booked separate flights and separate car hire to the group. So he had kind of made his own way there and, and planned to make his own way home. So while the rest of them came back to Ireland, he actually drove on to Atlanta. Um, it's not exactly clear where exactly he went after that, but from looking at his Facebook profile, um, he had made some other trips to America, I think the following month. He put pictures of him and his family member at the ATT and AT&T Stadium in Dallas, which is home to the, to the Dallas Cowboys football team. And like when he was on the golf trip, he had mentioned how he had been to America a number of, of occasions prior to that. Um, I think he, he mentioned he had been in Seattle in January for a week. And on I think March 6th, 2015, he also checked in on Facebook in Seattle and he did so again on July 14th in 2015, posting a status apologizing for missing a funeral back home. He also checked in on Facebook in 2014 to the Super Bowl in New York. It seems he had made a number of trips to America during the course of 2014 and 2015. Give me a tab of how much you reckon the U.S. Masters and that associated venues trip cost him. I was provided with an itinerary for the trip and like there was kind of like a breakdown of the costs and stuff in this and Basically, the costs of the trip was €5,000 per person, and that wasn't including spending money or, or any of the extra journeys that DJ went on himself. Like for the US Masters tickets alone, you're looking at 4200 For the accommodation in Berkeley Hall and the rounds of golf, it cost kind of around €2,800 for him and his guests. When they were playing at these courses, they were getting caddies, which, you know, kind of cost between $25 and $100, depending on the course, at Kiwa, which is one of the most exclusive resorts you would have been paying $100 per person for a private caddy. And when they stayed in the Marriott Hotel in Columbia in, in South Carolina, I think he spent €500 Euro for, for him and his guests for, for three nights accommodation. So 
and that's not including flights. I think the, the other individuals who, who went traveling in the group, they said their flights were around 800 euro each. Um, so you're looking at a kind of ballpark figure between 1500 and 2000 euro for flights as well. And then there's car hire on top of that. So 10,000 euro is a ballpark park figure, but it was likely a lot more than that, really. Yeah, you're not getting much change out of your, your 10 grand there. And yes, at the time, DJ Carey was in significant, substantial and massive debt. Yes, he, he at that time, he owed AIB approximately 9.5 million. Now, let, let's, let's take it back. Uh, how does that debt uh, accumulate? How did his his off-field, I suppose, career uh, play out um, before he fell into debt? Yeah, so DJ set up his own business in 1993 called DJ Carey Enterprises. Now, this is kind of fresh off the back of him winning two All-Ireland Hurling Finals. And it was a business which supplied cleaning and hygiene products to businesses across the country, mainly in the, the booming hospitality sector. He also had a company called DJ Carey Promotions, which kind of dealt with all his personal appearances at events and things like that. But DJ Carey Enterprises was his main moneymaker at the time. But while it was very successful, obviously the financial crash came along and like many other business owners, he started to struggle once once the crash hit. Um, but his debt was mainly actually caused by the huge loans he had taken out on luxury properties at five-star golf resorts in Ireland. So when the recession hit, he and his then-partner Sarah Newman owned three properties together, one in Mount Juliet in Kilkenny and two at the K Club in Kildare. And they purchased these with significant loans from AIB. So once they started to struggle on the repayments, AIB moved in on the couple and eventually secured judgments against DJ and Sarah Newman for more than 9.5 million each in 2011. The debt was mostly on the properties, but it was also on personal guarantees. So DJ's debt arose from 7.85 million loan properties in the K Club and in Mount Juliet, and then personal guarantees he had given of around 1.5 million. Where did it all really start to, to, to come apart, I suppose, in that it was crystal clear that he had debts here that were going to be unable to be repaid? It, it would have been around 2011 when AIB made a move on him to secure the judgments. And I think as well, around 2009, there were kind of concerns about financial irregularities at his company, DJ Carey Enterprises, as well. Um, some auditors were brought in to scrutinise the books and on finishing their investigation, they kind of concluded they were unable to obtain sufficient and appropriate explanations and evidence from a former employee about the transactions. The company eventually had to write off unauthorised transactions amounting to around €200,000, which left a major hole in its finances. And the company went into administrational liquidation in 2011, I think it was. But it, was, it wasn't until 2016 when the whole company was actually dissolved. So ultimately, we have this this massive write-down uh, of debt. But th there are terms and conditions attached uh, when, a, when a debt is written down in this manner. What, what, what does that entail? Well, basically, when it comes to people who get significant write-downs like this, the bank says that it applies some strict, or I think the word they actually use was robust criteria for anyone who gets a debt write-down like this. Um, AIB were invited before the Oireachtas Finance Committee there a few weeks ago on the back of revelations that DJ secured a significant write down on his on his debts, and they were asked, you know, what kind of criteria and what kind of like you know rules do people have to abide by in these situations, and 
AIB just said, you know, they're based on individual circumstances and the full disclosure of a customer's financial affairs. Other criteria include the customer demonstrating a willingness to meet their contractual obligations while maintaining a reasonable and benchmarked lifestyle. And do we know if DJ Carey adhered to this principle of reasonable and benchmarked lifestyle once that debt had been written down? Well, since DJ got his debt write-down deal in 2017, and pretty much since then, he's kept a very low profile. Like, he would have been kind of a regular on social media, you know, he was often on Facebook checking into matches, checking into different events and um, locations in America. But, but kind of from 2016 onwards, he kind of just kind of slipped off the radar somewhat. Um you know, in terms of work and stuff like that, he doesn't seem to have set up any new business ventures. I know he was involved in various co- coaching roles with Kilkenny GA and, and Carlo IT as well. But other than that, you know, we haven't really heard much from DJ and it doesn't seem that he was kind of living this lifestyle on the face of it anyway, and that he once was during the Celtic Tiger era and, and before he got his uh, significant debt write down. Now, his sister Katrina Carey is also very prominent in the headlines uh, over over recent months. Can you tell me about her involvement in his companies? Yeah, so Katrina is DJ's younger sister and a, a famous sports star in her own right. She previously played uh, hockey for Ireland. She played camogie for Kilkenny. She trained to be an accountant and eventually started to work with DJ in his cleaning business. Now, DJ's former wife, Christine, who he split from in 2003, had been a director. But once their relationship broke down, she she resigned her role. Katrina Carey was then subsequently appointed as director. However, she also resigned in 2009 and went on to set up her own rival cleaning business with her late mother. At the time, it was reported that DJ and Katrina had fallen out, which caused somewhat of a rift in the family. Um, And we know from an interview in the Sunday Independent last year, Sarah Newman, who was also a director of the company from 2009, she actually replaced Katrina Carey when she stepped down. Um, She actually made a statement to Gardaí about Katrina Carey over 10 years ago over concerns she had about the collapse of the company she ran with DJ at the time. Gardaí sent a file to the Director of Public Prosecutions, but they directed, you know, that there just should be no prosecution. Um, and obviously, you know, Sarah Newman, she, her and DJ were in a relationship. They were very much one of the poster couples of the Celtic Tiger era. He was considered one of, if not the greatest hurling players of all time. And she was a well-known businesswoman who featured on the Dragon's End TV show. Fellow Dragons consider their options. Sarah seizes her chance. I'm going to make you an offer. I really, really like this. They met in 2003 and Sarah Newman, who ran her own successful business ventures, had significant investments in overseas properties, including a high-end chalet in Switzerland. And her and DJ then started to invest in properties also. In 2009, she was eventually appointed director of DJ Carey Enterprises and remained as director until the company was eventually liquidated in 2016. But the collapse of the business, it, it was very high profile and due to the concerns about financial irregularities at the company, it also made a lot of headlines at the time. The DJ Carey write-down has provoked significant public debate and suggestions that uh, effectively, if you're a if you're a celebrity or a well-known figure, uh, you will be treated differently uh, by the banks. What has AIB's defence been of this? 
AIB has, when they appeared before the Oireachtas Committee, while they said they couldn't comment on individual cases for legal and confidentiality reasons, they, they, they realised that the commentary around their write-down policies has been upsetting for people. But at all times, they have insisted, you know, there are no special deals for special people. Famous people don't get special deals. But And I think when they appeared before the Oireachtas Committee, you know, they did get quite a lot of um, robust questioning from TDs as well. You, you know, some of the TDs were asking, like, why were these people so special? Why did they get these deals? And, um, you know, AIB were asked, what's the profile of these people? Are they bankers? Are they farmers? Are they shop owners? And AIB kind of basically said they didn't really have that information. Um, during the committee hearing as well, AIB was asked how many sporting sponsorship deals it's involved with. And the bank replied to say its primary national sponsorship is with the GAA and GAA championships. And Sinn Féin TD Mairead Farrell actually asked, you know, do you have a breakdown of people who may be connected to organisations you have sponsorship deals with and how many may be involved in debt write-downs? And AIB's head of retail, Jim O'Keefe, responded to say that's not information they could share with the committee, but said the setup they have is to ensure that the process for debt write-downs is, you know, there's no bias and it's as fair and as strict as possible. The number of borrowers, other than those who went through a bankruptcy or insolvency process, who, who have received a reduction of over 90% of their loan amounted to circa 1,900. But there's still a lot of scant detail. Like, we know, for example, around 50, I think 150,000 AIB customers have had their debts restructured with AIB since 2015. And then it was revealed that around 1,900 of those customers secured write-downs of 90% or more in private deals, while 83 of those have had debts of 1 million or more. So the overall value of AIB's write-downs between 2015 and 2022 amounted to 3.5 billion. You know, there are questions around why why did these people who had significant debts get write-downs while other people who had a lot, lot of kind of more modest debts not get, get the same kind of breathing space. And as debt campaigner David Hall point out, this is not normal treatment for people dealing with the banks. I think given the public interest and given the fact that banks are bastards and vulture funds torture people on a daily basis over sums of money in an incoherent, incompetent, disorganised way, many will be sore and, and pissed off correctly in relation to seeing this in the public domain, a large sum of money for a well-known person being written off. Are there still outstanding questions for AIB at this point or are they basically saying, look, we can't comment on an individual case? They're kind of holding firm at the moment. You know, they were asked some questions during the Finance Committee and said, you know, we didn't have information at hand. And, you know, they kind of promised to come back to TDs at later dates in response to some of the more detailed questions we have because they can't comment on individual cases. I think there'll be a lot about the debt write-down that, that we'll never know. Finally, DJ Carey, has he said anything? No, he, there's been no comment from him. Um I've contacted him a number of times asking if he if he wished to comment and, and received no reply. And I think it's kind of his whereabouts at the moment aren't really known either. Um, you know, he's kind of just been off the radar really for, for the last number of years, but he hasn't come out to, to comment on it publicly yet. My thanks to Amy Malloy for joining me today. I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Mary Carl, researched by Owen Maloney, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from Sky, ABC News, Oireachtas TV, RTE Radio 1, the Dallas Cowboys YouTube and Newstalk. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.